0: Amen. All right, let's take our Bibles and go to 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. It is so good to be saved, isn't it? Aren't you glad you know, you know what's going on and why it's going on? Because you have God's Word. And by the way, aren't you glad you know how it's all going to end? And aren't you glad you know through Jesus Christ that you'll be on the winning side? i tell you what, I don't, know, I don't know how we could ask for anything more, but we do, and God is just so good. So we've been looking at seven mysteries in the New Testament, and we are actually down to the last this morning. We looked at the mystery of the indwelling Christ, Christ in you, the hope of glory. We looked at the mystery of the relationship between Christ and the church. We looked at the mystery of the blindness of Israel. And then the mystery that I believe is the most exciting of all of them, and that's the rapture of the church. Paul said, behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. And then we saw the mystery of the deity of Christ. Great is the mystery of godliness, Paul said. God was manifest in the flesh. And then last time we saw the mystery of iniquity, and I want to... uh, uh, segue from that into the last mystery, which is mystery Babylon. But this mystery of iniquity, uh, the Bible says, is was already at work in Paul's day. Now imagine how much it's ramped up since then. And I know if you're like me, from time to time when you see things going on around you, uh, our country, the world turning anti-God, anti-Bible, and just any way you can name, fill in the blank. Uh, there's a temptation to think, you know, what's behind, or who's behind this? And we start looking for uh, flesh and blood groups. Sometimes governments and, 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 and clans and people uh, that are in authority. People of power, maybe of wealth or political authority. And we start looking that way. But we need to be reminded that the Bible says we wrestle not against what? flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in high places. And, and there's, there's much more to it. Now, men and women get used, but what's behind it? And we saw the mystery of iniquity. Now, look, I, I, I'm not saying for a moment that, that I rejoice In seeing the downward slide morally and spiritually anywhere in the world but particularly in our own country even in our own community but I'm gonna say this I take comfort knowing that the Word of God tells me what it's about and how it's going to end because in the end folks the devil loses it's about darkness trying to replace light And I'll tell you something right now, in the physical world, as well as the spiritual, light always displaces darkness. The other thing, and we'll get to this at the end, I'm getting a little ahead of myself, they can't put out our light. They, whoever they are, fill in the blank, cannot put out our light, because our light is the Lord Jesus Christ, the light of the world. And Jesus said, let your light shine before men. Folks, all we need to do is reflect that light, not unlike the moon that reflects the light of the sun. Has no light of its own, but it reflects the light of the sun. And isn't that us this morning? 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 18 John says, little children, it is the last time. And as ye have heard that Antichrist shall come. Now, I want you to to see what he says here and and, and just think think about the implications of what he says here at the end of this verse. He says, even now are there many antichrists whereby we know it is the last time. Paul said that the spirit of iniquity, the mystery of iniquity, the mystery of iniquity doth already work. That is the spirit in which all of this is going to go down. But we're going to look this morning at Mystery Babylon, which is the vehicle that's going to be used. I said to you last time... uh, Christians tend to be focused on the secularization of society, of the world itself. But in the end, remember something. The devil is a mime. The devil is an imitator. The devil loves, you ready for this, religion. I didn't say the devil loves the Bible. I didn't say the devil loves the gospel he loves man-made religion (laughs) and the man-made religion he loves the best is that which is closest to the bible because he can hide in that better than he can hide in anything else folks the devil does not deceive us if he comes to us dressed in a bright red tight nylon suit with a long tail A set of horns a goatee and a bad case of halitosis that wouldn't fool anybody in this building this morning he deceives us when he comes as an angel of light remember the devil is a mime and in Matthew chapter 4 he tried to tempt Jesus with what scripture 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 that was either misquoted just slightly or Scripture that was taken out of context if it was quoted correctly. And if you remember, the way the Lord Jesus Christ countered his temptations was by quoting Scripture back to him correctly and in context. The Bible says, submit yourselves unto God. Resist the devil." and he will flee from you. Often when I'm experiencing spiritual oppression or an attack by the devil, I take a little inventory. Number one, I'll say, am I submitted to God here? Am I submitted to God here? Look, folks, you and I are no match for the devil. We need the Lord. You're not going to take him on yourself. You're not going to take him on yourself. He laughs at that proposition. But I want to tell you something. While we're no match for the devil, he's no match for Jesus Christ. So number one, submit yourself unto God. Number two, resist him. Resist him. Not in your power, but in the power of the word of God. Not in your power, but in the power of the precious blood of Jesus Christ. You say, what does that mean, preacher? I'm pleading the blood of Jesus Christ. What that means is my basis, my basis for being right with God and invoking God to help me is the merits of Jesus Christ. We were praying last night, men's (laughs) prayer meeting, praying with a couple of men. And and, and I'm always impressed with the fact, Lord, I, I, I look at us and I know me. And I know many of the men there, and I'll tell you something, our halos don't always shine. Amen? You know, buff them up all you want, they don't always shine. But we don't come in the merits of our little halo. We come in the merits of the finished work of Jesus Christ. On that cross, his death, his burial, his resurrection, and his high priestly intercession for us. Even right now, he's making intercession for you right now. And so, when we plead the blood of Christ, we're saying we are standing on the grounds of his merit, and by God's grace, Paul said, I am what I am, and it's by his mercy I can resist the devil. Before I was saved, the devil would say, Jump, and my only response was, Which way and how far? But now I can resist the devil and tell him no. And tell him to head out in the name of Jesus Christ and in the name of the word of God. And the Bible says you submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Revelation chapter 17. Revelation chapter 17. Let's look at Mystery Babylon, the last of these. And it's so encouraging to me this morning because the point I wanted to make at the end of this message this morning has been made for me this week. And I'll share that with you at the end of the message. The point I want to make at the end of this message has been made to me this week by the Lord himself. Uh, Revelation chapter 17. Revelation chapter 17 and verse 5. Revelation 17 and verse 5. And upon her forehead was a name written, Mystery Babylon the Great the mother of harlots and the abominations of the earth. Now, what's the context of this? Well, let's back up to verse 1. The Bible says, And there came one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials, and talked with me, saying unto me, Come hither, and I will show unto thee the judgment of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters. Now, God's not mincing any words here. He calls this setup the great whore. I think it's pretty clear where he's coming from. Now, it's interesting that something like this is in the Bible, and it's elaborated for us in two full chapters, chapter 17 and 18. And yet, the majority of people in the body of Christ, professing Christendom at least, in this country, just ignore it like it doesn't even exist. And there's a reason for that. Because the identification of this organization is a very uncomfortable thing. But can I say something to you? In spite of what Joel Osteen might have you think, not everything in the Bible makes you feel comfortable. In fact, not everything in the Bible is supposed to make you feel comfortable. In fact, if you're lost this morning and you don't get uncomfortable with your sins... You'll never be saved. And so some truths are just uncomfortable. And he goes on and says in verse 2, With whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication, so he carried me away in the spirit, into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet-colored beast, full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color, And decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. And upon her forehead was a name written, Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. And I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. Now, I want you to watch this this last phrase in verse 6 because it's important. John looks at this. Now, look, folks... Persecution against Christians wasn't anything John wasn't used to. Imperial Rome, on an organized governmental basis, society and all, was persecuting Christians. In fact, they would do it for sport in the Colosseum. John was in exile on the Isle of Patmos as persecution for his faith. So this business of Imperial Rome persecuting people wasn't anything new or amazing to him. And when we study Revelation 17 and 18, it's impossible to get around the idea that this city that he's talking about, that's also called the great whore, is the city of Rome. But he looks at this, and the Bible says in verse 6, And when I saw her, I what? Wondered with great admiration. Now, why is this? Why would John wonder at this? Well, we'll find out in just a moment. Verse 7, And the angel said unto me, Wherefore didst thou marvel? I will tell thee the mystery of the woman and of the beast that carrieth her, which hath the seven heads and ten horns. Now, if we had the time this morning and we don't, and we could study Revelation chapter 17 and 18 thoroughly, and we can't, <laughs> we would find out very very conclusively that revelation 17 is religious babylon the religious side of this vehicle that will usher in the reign of the the antichrist a very short reign of the antichrist and that chapter 18 is commercial babylon commercial babylon and again it's part of this same vehicle that the antichrist will ride into power with for a very short time. Can I I please remind you this morning that that everything, every every victory that the devil looks like he gets is is really short-lived? How about the crucifixion of Christ? Hey, three days and three nights, they were partying. The the, the demon spirits were partying down in hell, weren't they? And then three days and three nights later, they had a really big, oh no, moment. (laughs) The devil's victories are short lived and they're counterfeit. Why is John wondering with great admiration? Well, if you study church history, and let's flip back a few pages to some church history in the book of Revelation. Go to Revelation chapter 2. If you study church history, you're going to find out that the religious side of this organization began its formation in the early part of the 4th century. And it's related to the church described for us in Revelation chapter 2 as the church at Pergamos. And in Revelation chapter 2 and verse 16, or excuse me, verse 12. Revelation chapter 2 and verse 12, the Bible says, unto the angel of the church in Pergamos right now, this is the third of seven churches that, that Jesus is going to address. First, he addresses Ephesus. Then he addresses Smyrna, and then he addresses Pergamos. And the Bible says in verse 12, And to the angel of the church in Pergamos, write, <coughs> These things, <coughs> excuse me, saith he which hath a sharp sword with two edges, I know thy works, and where thou dwellest, even where Satan's seat is. And thou holdest fast my name, and hast not denied my faith, even in those days wherein Antipas was my faithful martyr. Who was slain among you where Satan dwelt. By the way, antipas means against everything. How, how popular a guy you think he'd be today. But I have a few things against thee. Because thou hast there them that hold the doctrine of Balaam. Who taught Balak to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel. And to eat things... Uh, and to eat things sacrificed unto idols and to commit fornication. I wish I could elaborate on the doctrine of Balaam, but for the purposes of our study this morning, verse 15 is important. Uh, So hast thou also them that hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. Notice what Jesus says about this doctrine, which thing I what? Hate. That's a strong word, folks. And he says, repent, or else I will come unto thee, verse 16, quickly, and will fight against them with the sword. Of my mouth the doctrine of the Nicolaitans it is a doctrine of the clergy lording it over the laity it's a doctrine of creating a clergy that hovers somewhere between man and God it's the idea of vesting power in men that you might call a priest or a pastor or whatever you like and he has the power to forgive your sins and to prescribe penance for your sins or to deny the same thing. Folks, I'm here to tell you this morning, the only one that can do that is the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says there's one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. The doctrine of the Nicolaitans suggests that the clergy has power And access to God that the laity don't have. Let me tell you something this morning. You have as much access to God as anybody else in this building. If you go through Jesus Christ. Men or women. The Bible, uh, one of the great truths that was recovered during the Protestant Reformation in the 1500s was not only justification of faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ, but it was the priesthood of believers. The fact that every believer is a priest unto God, man, woman, young person, old, if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior. I do not have to go to a sinful man who wears a robe and calls himself a priest and confess my sins to him like I once did. Jesus said he hates that doctrine. He hates that doctrine. The Bible talks about Two offices in script. Two ordinances and two offices. Two ordinances are baptism and the Lord's Supper. They're not sacraments. They're ordinances. They're memorials to commemorate some things. And then he talks about two offices. And one is deacon and the other is pastor, simply put. No cardinals. Hey, if you're going to have the cardinals, why not the Mets and the Giants? (laughs) No cardinals, no popes, no man sitting there in a seat speaking ex cathedra from the seat with the supposed authority equal to the word of God. No such thing. It's called the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. And Jesus says, I hate it. Now, look, I'm not for being cantankerous for being cantankerous' sake. But if Jesus hates it, we should be against it. And I'm here to tell you this morning, don't look for the Antichrist, if if that's what you're looking for, through a secular organization. Look for him through a religious organization. And when you look at Revelation chapter 2, and you look at Pergamus. historically you're looking at a period of time right around 300 A.D. Now remember something, up till 300 A.D., they had had nine imperial persecutions under nine different Roman emperors. And these men were considered deities. And what they said was, was law not only civilly but morally and spiritually in the minds of the Roman people. And 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 all of them had an agenda against Christianity. They were threatened by it. But the worst one of all was the tenth and final of the imperial Roman persecutions under an emperor named Diocletian. And and in the in the previous church that Jesus addressed, the church at Smyrna, he talks about this. This persecution, this 10-year persecution, which was the 10th of these persecutions, and it ran from 300 to 310 A.D. Then came the next emperor, a man named Constantine. And Constantine had some Christian influence in his life early on. And he was in the middle of a battle in 313 A.D. called the Battle for Milvian Bridge. And it's a long story, but the bottom line is he looked up in the sky and, and he thought he saw in the cloud formation a saying that's, that, said, that said, conquer in this sign. And, and thought he saw a symbol of a cross with a loop upon the top of it. Some of you may have ever seen that if you've gone to mass on the back of the priest on his robe. And at that, he won the battle and came back and converted to Christianity. Now, it's doubtful if he ever got saved. But as a civil matter and as a religious matter in Rome, he made Christianity the religion of the Roman Empire, but not biblical Christianity. He wedded his thoughts about Christianity with the pagan practices of Rome, And laid the foundation for what would ultimately be, are you ready for it? I'm going to say it, and it's going to make people uncomfortable, maybe not if here, out there, the Catholic Church, the Roman Catholic Church. Now, the Roman Catholic Church didn't start officially until 540 AD, when the first when the first pope, Gregory the Great, was declared as pope. But he started a process. He started a process. And at first, uh, believers were relieved because in 325 A.D., uh, at the Council of Nicaea, well, let me back up a little bit. At 313 A.D., uh, Constantine issued the Edict of Milan, which granted Christians reprieve from persecution. Can you, can you appreciate how Christians would have appreciated the fact that they weren't being persecuted by the government anymore? How many of you, if you would have been a believer then, wouldn't have been for that? I'd have been for it. Especially if you'd seen your own relatives uh, uh, murdered in the Colosseum or, or all the different creative ways that some of these emperors <coughs> killed Christians, especially Nero. And now they have reprieved. Now they have an emperor that's on their side. And he issues, he issues the Edict of Milan, and, and for 12 years things seemed pretty good. We've got reprieve from persecution, we can, we can, we can practice our faith. But then he calls in 325 the Council of Nicaea. And he invokes every bishop, he invokes every pastor from the whole Roman Empire to come and meet over some spiritual questions that he wanted to entertain. Some of them had to do with the deity of Jesus Christ. And folks, when you study the Council of Nicaea, uh, in most places they couldn't have got it more wrong if they had tried. And And they codified a whole host of errors that would begin to snowball forward through the centuries and collect more errors as it went. And they codified this and made it the religion of the Roman Empire, and now, instead of of secular, imperial Rome persecuting Christians, John is wondering in amazement, because he's watching the professing church of Jesus Christ killing Christians. Because that's what started happening, certainly by 500 A.D., through 1500 A.D. during the period of time that even secular historians call the Dark Ages, when the Pope of Rome ruled with an iron fist all of Europe. Don't kid yourself about why the pilgrims came to this country. It wasn't so they could have Walmart. Oh, or they could have, or they could have uh, perverted uh, pictures and pornography in the name of Art. Or, or so that they can change their genders at will. They were trying to get away from that setup. And they were coming to evangelize the Native Americans on this soil. That's what gave you the country that we're celebrating this morning on Veterans Day. It is a spiritual set of roots and this is all part of it. Pergamus. What does Pergamus mean? It means much marriage. It means the marriage of the world and the church together, which is what Constantine did. And again, at first, from, from the Edict of Milan in 313 up to the Council of Nicaea in 325 A.D., it looked like a great setup. But then he stepped further over the line. And you now had this church state set up, and you had the early the early beginnings of the Pope. People look at Islam and say, watch out for that monster. People look at woke culture and say, look out for that monster. People look at the secularization of society and they say, look out for that monster. But don't go to sleep on the one that's hiding in the weeds right now, the ultimate chameleon, the one who rules over the kings of the earth, according to Revelation chapter 17 and 18. I wish we had more time to give you more history. Some would say, well, you know, since Vatican II in the, in the 60s, everything has changed. I've read Vatican II. Nothing has changed. In fact, when the when the Iron Curtain went down in the late, late 80s, early 90s, the Catholic Church gave credit to Mary. Nothing has changed, folks. Mary Allatry is alive and well in Catholicism. And the most powerful and most respected false religion in the world, listen, when the Pope decides he wants to do it, he calls up the United Nations and says, hey, get all the boys together, I got something to say. And you know what they do? They all get together and they listen. And all the different organs of the media come with hushed tones in reverence, and they listen. There's no one else on the face of the earth that can do that. Did you ever wonder here back some years ago, decade, two decades at the most, all this stuff coming out, I'm really going to get myself fried now. Hey, online land, it's me. He that goes first goes cleanest. Remember when all the pedophile priests were being discovered? Did you ever wonder why our government and the governments of the world just didn't bring that whole organization down? Do you ever wonder how it got a pass? What if that would have been Baptist preachers? What if that would have been Presbyterian ministers? What if that would have been anybody else? Where's the uproar? Oh, I know, it all changed. It doesn't happen anymore. The priesthood's all cleaned up. Not according to their own statistics. That is the vehicle that the Antichrist is going to come in. The vehicle of the papacy. Some of you grew up with it. I grew up with it enough truth to be believable Jesus Christ yes, crucifixion, yes resurrection, yes second coming in general terms, yes blood atonement, yes but just enough error to keep you lost it's what's called in medicine a placebo you think you're getting something that will help you it's got the right name the label on the bottle has the right name But the medicine is poison. I was a complete and total daily pothead. Arguing with Christians for almost a year as they tried to win me to Christ. Arguing with them that my righteousness was good enough to get me to heaven. And I would go to purgatory and dance on hot coals for some unspecified amount of time and atone for the rest of my sins, and make it to heaven that way. Well, they patiently gave me scripture after scripture after scripture, and thank God, the Spirit of God in scripture won out. You see, are you against Catholic people this morning? Absolutely not. I've got a lot of relatives that are still Catholic, and they're some of the most delightful people in the world. I'm against the system that's blinding them and damning their souls and giving them enough truth. Enough truth to tease them. <coughs> because all the right names are in the are, are are in the system. I mean, virgin birth, sure, we worship the virgin. <coughs> Look at Revelation 18. Remember I said to you earlier, I think it's a little ironic, the believers. Can look at something here in the Bible, and God spends two chapters on it, and says it's a whore. And then I'm talking the preachers, I'm talking the commentaries, I'm talking the so-called reference. What, what is it? Uh, I, don't, I don't know. Uh, uh, some ethereal, uh, non-named, uh, nondescript uh, version of uh, Islam and Satanism, and uh, oh, the people that came from Mars. just so that we don't get anywhere close to who it is. Because I want all of you to like me. Look at chapter 18. And by the way, you can't obey these next two verses we're going to look at unless you identify what it is that we're talking about. Look at 18 and verse 4. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, that is the whore, my people, that you be not partakers of her sins, and that you receive not of her plagues, for her sins have reached unto heaven, and God hath remembered her iniquities. How do, you come out, how do you come out from her if you don't know who her is? And John is wondering with great amazement, because he's seeing the woman drunk with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus Christ. But what is God giving him? He's giving him prophetic material here, because during the dark ages, that church would slaughter Christians by the thousands in the name of Jesus Christ. Christ and in the name of the Bible. And that's what John is wondering in amazement. Now, when it's all said and done, folks, when it's all said and done, I'm going to say to you that these are exciting times to live in. I I realize the curtain is being pulled in so many places around the world and even in our country, but God told us it was going to go that way and he told us how it was going to end up and, and and the devil is a counterfeit the devil is a usurper his 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 victories are frauds and his rule and reign is short-lived take your bibles and go to second Thessalonians chapter 2 we'll close with this verse second Thessalonians chapter 2 i want you to see something and it it ties in with so much of what's going on now and where we're at and where we're living and who we are. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, and look at verse 8. And then shall that wicked be revealed, the Antichrist, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth. He ain't going to have to flex his arms or anything. He's going to consume with the spirit of his mouth. And she'll destroy with the what? Brightness of his coming. Remember I told you about that light bulb that's still, still burning in a, in a fire station in Livermore, California, and, and it, was, it was made at the turn of the 20th century around 1901? Remember we talked about that bulb and how it's still burning? Folks, the Bible tells us in 1 Thessalonians 5 that we are children of the day and we are not of the night. Do you know why that is? Because we have Jesus Christ as our light. And the world can't put out his light. And the devil can't put out his light. And the flesh can't put out his light. And the, mystery, and the mystery of iniquity, which doth already work, cannot put out his light. And mystery Babylon in the Antichrist cannot put out his light. And to emphasize that, when Jesus Christ comes back, he's going to destroy the Antichrist with the brightness of his coming. The Bible says we are children of the day. Can I encourage you this morning to let your light shine? Let your light shine. Don't be be spending all your time mesmerized by the news of the day and end up like Dorothy and her three friends. Lions and tigers and bears, oh my. Lions and tigers and bears, oh my. Folks, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. And they can't put out our light because it isn't ours. It's him. And when he comes, the light of this world will destroy this system, this mystery of iniquity, this mystery Babylon. And he's going to set everything right. And just for emphasis, he will do it with the brightness of his coming. And folks, if you're saved here this morning, you'll be coming with him. I've been telling you, I think these are great times to win people to Jesus Christ. And as I said to you earlier, that's where I'm going with all this. And God just verified that so much just this week. Uh, Last night in men's prayer meeting, Brother Aldridge talked about a client that they led to Christ just this week. I, I got a text from Brother Bertsoff about a Catholic man in jail, uh, in the jail ministry, that got saved uh, just this uh, past Sunday on the 6th in our jail ministry. Some of our men are at a gun show even right now, but they were at the gun show yesterday, and uh, 16 professions of Jesus Christ some sheriff there or whatever who was a, a Christian already was so encouraged he gave some of our guys a hug. I like that. Guns and hugs. They go together, don't they? Huh? What am I saying? I, I, I told you a story. One of these days, I, I might even get this guy to come here and give his testimony. A fellow came up to me at, at uh, the last wedding we had here at the church. He came up to me uh, during the fellowship time in the in the gym, never met him before. And uh, he was part of a, a, a group, uh, a professing group of Christians that was all about getting to heaven on works. And he kept seeing the bumper sticker. Are you ready for this? He kept seeing the bumper sticker all over town. If you can earn it, why did he die? And he said, that bothered me. And he said, I had to know what that meant. And you know what he did? He started studying his Bible he found out it was true if you could earn it jesus christ didn't have to die and he trusted the grace of god through jesus christ and became a born-again christian folks i'm here to tell you this morning god is still in the soul-saving business god is alive and well and jesus said the gates of hell will not prevail against his church the gates of hell will not prevail against his church folks We're on the winning side. I'm holding a little track that we published in the office. They're out in the track rack. And uh, it's got all kinds of beautiful uh, red and yellow and orange leaves on the front of it. And it says the heart of Thanksgiving. We're coming up on Thanksgiving. Get a fistful of these and hand them out. I told the guys last night, get around Christmas. Start handing people tracks. People People will take them during times like this. And speaking of times like this, there's a lot of lost people scratching their heads, wondering what is going on. Folks, we got the answer. If you can't hand tracks out, lay them around. That, this one here, uh, this it's your first six days in hell. How many of you ever read this track? You, uh, you need to read this track and for no other reason be glad you're saved. Now, I don't necessarily recommend handing this to somebody. You might get the martyr's crown. It might be a good track to lay around. It'll scare people. So I don't believe in scaring people about hell. I'd rather have them hell scared than hell scorched. Folks, what am I saying? I'm saying, in spite of the days we're living in, God says I got this all under control. Our marching orders are the same, folks. Go into all the world, preach the gospel. To every creature. Folks, we're fishermen for Jesus Christ, and the fishing is good. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. Help us. Help us that know you. Help us that have the light to go forth from this place and let that light shine. Father, we don't have to create the light, we don't have to even be the light. Just let it shine. It's your light, Lord. We can only reflect it. We can only reflect it. We have no light of our own. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you that you're still saving souls. Thank you that you saved us. Help us to go out there this week and be that somebody in someone else's life that brings that light. Thank you, Lord, that someday you're coming back and you're gonna destroy all this nonsense, all this nonsense, all this anti-Christ nonsense. Politically, religiously, civilly, otherwise. And you're gonna do it the brightness of your coming. The light that no man can approach unto. Thank you for these great truths this morning. And we pray it in Jesus' name, amen. What number, brother?
1: Faith is the victory.
0: 377, let's stand and sing, faith is a victory.
1: up here for a moment and
0: close us in a word of prayer if you would please thank you let's pray father in heaven we thank you for your goodness to us today through the Lord Jesus Christ we thank you for our preacher we thank you that he preaches the truth and thank you for bringing us to church today Lord that uh, that we can gather as believers and fellowship together and Lord stand up to the devil in this world We thank you for our freedoms in Christ, we thank you for our freedoms in this country that we still have, and we plead with you to help us protect them, if for no other reason that we would have the liberty to tell others about the Lord Jesus Christ and spread it throughout the world. Lord, we ask you to keep us safe this afternoon and bring us back tonight, and once again we look for you to come quickly, in Jesus' name, Amen.